Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, where I come to you from my studio each and every week in Dallas, Texas. Sometimes I actually break down and invite my close friends on the podcast because sometimes I just need good friends to hop on and tell me that everything's going to be all right. I mean, it's not always going to be all right when you're in business for yourself, man. And my buddy today knows it as well as anybody. My friend Steve Carlos, co-founder, co-CEO of Two Market Media, is with us today. Welcome, buddy. Hey, Matt. How are you? I didn't know I'm just a close friend. I thought I, would, I was an accomplished business partner. I'm a little disappointed. That I didn't describe you as that? <laughs> well, we are business partners in a way, right? I'm just kidding. But let's get down to it, man. Steve has this unique ability to mix business and creative, unlike I've ever met anybody before. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's just fascinating. Dude, you've taught me so much in the now three years. You know, we've known each other for three years now. But you've taught me plenty also. Well, we all have our skills, right? What's, what's my skill that I've taught you? Big, uh, uh, making money, focusing on the bottom line no matter what, making sure you're making a, a dollar every single time, relentlessness <laughs> around those ideas. How about that? All right. If you feel that way, I appreciate it. I, I do take that as a compliment. I mean, I don't. the business is not nonprofit for me. That's for damn sure. No, you're, you're one of the best at making money. You understand your market. You are, you're, you are disciplined much better than we are. Mm. at being disciplined about who your customer is mm. and shedding things that you don't necessarily need and being uber focused on the bottom line. You're awesome at that. And that's something that we can continue to get better at that. You definitely are a model for us. Well, dude, thank you for that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's really important. You know, I think it's a key. I, component. Oh, shit. <laughs> you need more money. We need more money, man. I mean, we, we all work so hard as this so-called entrepreneur, business owner, all that sort of stuff. And a lot of times we don't have enough to show for it at the end of the day, man. And I, I yeah. don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to, I want to make sure that we're ringing dollars out of every bill. So, but let me reverse it on it. If you don't mind. I mean, here's what I've learned from you. Um, I really have learned do you remember when I called you all those years ago, three years ago? I say all those years ago. It does feel a lot longer than three, though, doesn't it? You know, I have a photographic memory. I don't know if you're aware of that. Yes, I do. And I said, hi, uh, this is Matt Monero. Um, I, I, I thought you were just the nicest fellow. I would have pictured you completely. And you know, I'm pretty good. I'm a great tone reader, right? You were just this polite, innocent feeling guy to me. And I would have pictured you very square. Like very, always doing the right thing, which you kind of do anyway, but a different version of it, not a killer. If you're a killer, I pictured like the polite version of you. Well, I, I remember asking you, um, I'd like to, to uh, ask you guys to help me figure out the chess game of the media business. Do you remember me saying that I, to you? I do. I'm telling you, you were super polite. And you were like, well, rule number one is there's no chess game, right? And by the way, we don't work with everybody, pal, so we need to make sure you're good enough for us. And well, became... I do remember that like it was yesterday, actually. Oh. And I remember, uh, remember, you know, it was a long, if you think about the long road, we've wound, right? Dude, we have. We've come a long way in a relatively short period of time. Right. But what I... If you think about it, what was interesting, I think the... I think the one skill that you referred to, which, you know, that thank you for that compliment. I do. I don't know if it's business and creative, but I do have a particular skill outside of memory 
That's, I only have a few skills. I'm not multi-talented. <laughs> like Matt Monero has lots of different skills. I don't have a lot of skills. But outside of memory and being able to read people like it's nobody's business, mm. uh, I do understand how to think micro and macro at the same time. Mm. And how to, how to you know, extract from somebody what they're really saying and packaging. It's really what we do for a living, right? We repackage. So what feels like creative, I think, to me, is really just understanding. It's really the people reading skill. It's, it's how do you understand what somebody's trying to accomplish and how do you make sure that the big picture matches the small uh, picture? And what I think you've done so super well and so interestingly well is what started as a media mission, right? How do you increase your profile? How do you generate more leads for the business? How do you get your name out there? But also potentially satisfy some personal thing that you wanted to do in terms of giving back and helping others and mentoring others, right? That was part of it. Um, which you've done a lot of long way, but I think the other side of it was, I think what you saw organically is that the things that really started to work for you in media and how we started to talk about your brand were the things that you actually needed to do in your business. Yeah, and, I needed to do it in myself too, man. And I, I, we've talked about this so many times, but it's important for the audience to understand that Steve has made me a better person. I think a better business owner, a better boss, all that stuff, but I'm a better person because of the process that you put me through. And I look back on it, and I remember you talking about it, right? We're going to do the radio show. We're going to get a book. We're going to do all this sort of stuff. And it was so freaking foreign to me. I mean, dude, it was like <laughs> learning a completely different language. I mean, I was, a, I was a babe in the woods when I met you killers, man. Well, we definitely didn't make you a better person. What you happened did. was you actually saw in the brand that you were creating the other side, right? You saw the big picture through the small picture. It's funny because the one, you know, out of all of your skills, the one thing that I'm always surprised by is that you don't see yourself at all. Right. And you were a freaking gorilla, right? You were a, like we all are, right? When we start businesses, you know, you built an amazing business way before you met us. Right. And then by the time you met us, you could have not done another thing, Matt. Right. And been pretty damn happy. Yeah. Totally. You were making it right. And you, you still were pushing it. And I think what ended up happening was I think the way in which you pushed it ended up having even bigger repercussions for your business in a positive way. But what really happened is you seeing yourself through the process, right? You saw that, oh, shit. Like, we all do at a certain point. We're like, I'm an idiot, right? I, I'm busy creating brands for everybody else. We only launched our own stupid course, Star Power, 18 months ago because I made Grant put Hank on stage, right? <laughs> oh, shit, I need it. Meanwhile, we're, you know, we're killing it for everybody else doing that. Like dingbats. Dude, it's the same cobbler. Thing. The cobbler skin has no shoes. <laughs> exactly. Right. What are we doing? And same thing with you. You you had built it. I call it. Um, it's time to update your story. Right. So, you know, at a certain point, the story that you've told yourself about being a relentless killer, which is completely true as to why you created such a successful business. Right. The reason you stand here today is because you were an animal pushed through with the discipline and work ethic and all those things. And then there was always collateral damage, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then you said at a certain point after you, you know, you threw something through a, through a screen and tried to kill your entire staff <laughs> and you might've gone to jail for murder. You realize, wait a minute, I don't need to be a killer anymore. The way for me to grow from here is I actually have to have great people so that I can do less shit and really take this to a billion. <laughs> But it wouldn't have happened, I'm telling you, until if it wasn't for getting through in your head and really understanding what you were trying to tell me. But let's get let's get back to you for a second, right? 
why did you, why are you so street smart? Where did your ability to read people that that masterful skill that you have? Where did it come from? It's a sad story, actually. It's both my superpower and my super weakness. It's your crypto. I swear to God, this is a true story. When I was a little kid, uh, my dad was a fucking lunatic. Literally a raging, manic, depressive lunatic. <laughs> and, you know, my mom is awesome. My dad is now passed away. I think everybody's thrilled about that. I was the only person <laughs> still talking about to him when he died. But this manic, de- depressive lunatic, from a very early age... I, whatever reason, I wasn't afraid of him. I mean, two, three years old. And everybody in the world was afraid of him. And, he, had, he you know, he's one of those guys who wore sunglasses at night. He wore jewelry everywhere. He Big literally... Cadillac. Uh, no joke. Yes. For... And, uh, yes. <laughs> he literally... I don't... He thought he was a mobster. <laughs> and everybody... The, the kids on the block were terrified. I thought it was the coolest thing. Like, he was the crazy dad that would come out with his hair looking crazy. And yell at everybody, and they'd scatter like you've never seen on the lawn, right? Everybody would play it like, oh, shit, here comes Mr. Carlos. And what happened was I realized that our entire emotional state of the family was based on my dad's moods. Mm-hmm. You know those families when you walk in the house, you can feel the tension? Totally. That was our house when he was in – when he was a home, because he wasn't home that much, but when he was home on the weekends – the mood was all based. So I learned how to play that guy. Mm. I knew every button. And by all I cared about was stability and freedom. I wanted to do whatever the fuck I wanted to do. There were no rules for me because I was taking care of him. Yeah. Yeah. When I made him feel good and safe, the family was running smooth. Mm. He stopped yelling at mom who finally divorced him when I was 13. And my brother, who to this day, even if he, though he's not alive, is terrified of him. Mm. My job was so by having to read him and the subconscious reward of understanding every little nuance, I could smell his moods, his change, what was going to happen. And I read and I read, you know, and that's what I've done my entire life. It you literally packaged it to be I did. to be sellable. I just, I, I diverted it. I diverted it. Yeah, <laughs> That's a true story, by the way. That's exactly where it comes from. Yeah, I know it is with you. I know that. And I don't know whether you treat that as a blessing or a curse today. I think it's a blessing. 99% of it. it is one of my, you know, I, I think the curse for me has been sometimes I've, I'm a genius at maximizing a situation, mm-hmm. but if I'm maximizing a mediocre situation, that's not genius. Mm. So, so what I've always been conscious of is, especially later in life, is how do I make sure that I'm not only maximizing a situation, that I'm putting myself in situations that are great, so that I'm maximizing greatness rather than shit or mediocrity. Does that make any sense? Totally. It's the same thing happens in business. I mean, we climb hills and the, we get to the top and we're like, shit, that was a shitty hill to climb, man. It should have been higher. So your stance is I have this amazing superpower to see the field. Um, am I playing big enough? Am I on the right Correct. field? Am I not? Yes. Am I, and, you know, you can, you, all of a sudden you find your, 100%, you said it better than I did, 100%. Yeah, but the reality is you, 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 now, but that's where your obsessiveness comes in because your field is guys like Cardone, Steve Harvey, Tim Story, the list goes on and on and on. And um, you were already achieving, you just always want more. Correct. And that's, but, you know, look, 
you know, look, you do the same thing. You you are you probably got to be in the top one or two percent at this point, my friend. And I know you'll deny it, but your success is enormous from scratch, right? You built everything as a your childhood is is fucked up, and where you came from, and I know you find it hard to believe remembering your college story without direction or anything, right? So you, I'm sure you always still sit surprised about how far you've come, but you know. You're even pushing for bigger. When you look at Grant and ten thousand fucking people at ten X, you're like, oh my god. Hmm. Or yeah. so I think we're all doing that, right? We're looking around saying, oh shit, why am I not doing that next step? Yeah, I mean, we compare up, not down. Correct. And that's that to me is a skill set, but it is a curse too, man. So <laughs> let's talk about though why why I used to think it was a chess game, and you guys were so critical that there isn't a chess game. You either have some chops or you don't. I mean, you can't manifest likability for the long term. Is that fair to say? I think that's true. I think, you know, we always say there's two things that make greatness in media. One is your personality, your charisma, your dynamic ability to entertain and inform people. The second is your methodology, your ability to extract something. Those two things just have to be pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed until you get over the hump. Yeah, and the second part of what you just said is the hardest part, I think, for me. You guys refer to it as unpacking the expertise, right? And it's really hard for someone who's good at something to begin to figure out how to explain it and teach it and do it for somebody else. Because we we often say, how the fuck do you not know that? That's been your biggest weakness. That's your maybe your only weakness, if you think about it, right? That's the same thing with your company. You didn't have a knowledge transfer of from the – you did on the sales side, but – as a company overall, right, taking your genius and then creating both the team and then the methodology to do to take it to the next level, which is in, which is backed by insecurity because the stance was if I can do it, anybody can do it, and that's really right. not how you teach, right? Correct. In fact, yep. what you guys have helped me understand is you actually need to posture or position yourself as the expert to then yep. be looked at as the expert for people to follow. I don't know if I said that right, but it's really important for the audience to understand what I'm talking about, that sooner or later, you can't always be the underdog who who rose up and everybody can do it. Sooner or later, you got to be the opposite that says, yeah, 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 I know I did that stuff, but now I have the skill set to teach you how to do it. That's 100%. the difference, man, right? Yeah, and you, also, you still have to retain imperfection. You can't, you can't ever talk down to them. There's a there's a nuance between being the expert and the and the guy at the top, and still being relatable enough that totally. people don't hate you. Yeah, totally, totally. And that does happen to a lot of people, right? Where they in? Yeah. I mean, I remember you telling me a story where where uh, Steve Harvey. You know, every day Steve Harvey wakes up thinking like today's the day that everyone's going to realize he's a fraud, right? Everybody has that. The only, the very few have that. I mean, honestly, I don't have that. You don't. Never had that. Never worried about that. Don't give a shit. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm bad at. I, I have zero confidence issues. Zero. <laughs> but what are you saying? That the great ones still have tremendous self-confidence issues? No, I'm, saying, I'm hoping that's not true. Um, <laughs> I'm saying that most, almost everybody does. I mean, Mel Robbins, oh my God. and every, she's, You remember her when we were first working together. She was still kind of crawling, right? Yeah, now she's exploded. Right. And Grant Cardone, I mean, she has it. She has tons of insecurity issues. Grant Cardone has, I think he has zero. Um, Now, other other than that, I've met very few Mm -hmm. that don't have some level of that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So, so let, one of the phases that <clears throat> you're helping me with now is really to move into this. Um, we're past this develop an opinion and then support the opinion, right? That, that grabs the attention. But now what we're trying yeah. to do is move into the um, show others how to do it thing. It's not good enough to say everybody can do it, right? If, if, if I did it, everybody can do it. Dude, that only works for a very small portion. Most people are like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But I still need you to show me how, the step-by-steps. Why is that so hard, buddy? I, well, I think it's a comp- you know, I'm actually going to change that for a second. I don't think you're in that phase either. I think you're at the next phase. Give me the three or four phases. I mean, help. So, so, so if somebody it starts out as you, you become, you're an apprentice, right? You're an amateur. Then you become an apprentice. Then you become the expert. And that's all within your niche, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, then I think the next step after expert is you're the star of your niche. And then you move outside of your niche into the broad universe. I think you're now this, uh, one of the stars of your niche and that your new book that we've talked about, Torch, is now not a book for just business people. I think you go broad now. That's what's, you know, Grant started in the auto industry. Yep. And he moved to this, then he became a sales guy, which was bigger than just auto. Then he became a business guy, which was bigger than like, now he's the top, like now he's broad across all areas of business and, right? Yeah, now he goes um, global with it. Correct. Yeah. I think for you, I think the idea of Torch isn't just a business idea. I think the idea for Torch for you is an example of anybody. It's the same conversation. We, By the way, what's funny, and you'll agree with this now and you'll laugh, is that maximizing mediocrity is what you are doing and that torching it is maximizing greatness. Yeah. And to do that is a complete teardown and rebuild. And it's not just true for your business. It's true in your relationships. It's true in your friendships. It's true in your financial situation. It's true in your personal identity, right? If you think about it, sometimes, you know, you've heard the story of people having to move away from home so they can restart who they are because they're so grounded in people thinking about them a certain way. That's torching who you are because it's an old story, right? You have a new story. And I think torch is about people literally tearing down brick by brick their story and restarting a new story that recreates them in a much bigger way. But Steve, one of the problems I had uh, early on was I remember asking you and Hank, what do I even talk about? Right? Like how do you even develop a storyline or even come up with an opinion? What if you don't have opinions or a storyline? And your, your guys said, dude, just look at what's going on in your own world. Just see what happens to you every single day. And the one thing you guys told me to do that I didn't do was record all of it. For some reason, I blocked it. I don't know why. It's a key component probably to the difference between those that are incredible, like a Cardone who records everything, and a guy like me who's still selective on what I record. Um, I think I'm very transparent in what I talk about. There's no question off limits, but I still say you know, I don't know whether that should go out, you know, and your stance is that's a big separator between those that are halfway in and those that are all in. I think that's true. I think even Cardone is, there's a, there's a small, a very small, but there's still some version of hiding certain things. Hiding is the wrong word about not recording everything, but yes, 99% of it. 
Yeah, hide, hiding is the wrong word because it when you people might think, well, you're not recording it because you have something to hide. No, that's not it. There, there are. It's not appropriate. It's not appropriate. There are competitive issues. There are legal issues. I mean, there's regulation yeah. issues. There's stuff. You know what I mean? There's. I agree. And so I actually look at it as a street smart guy that says, you I know, agree. why would I ever put that out? But yes. it it does prevent you from maybe necessarily going mainstream. You know. I agree. I think you've always been debating that kind of stuff as to where you've changed your mind 1700 times as to how big or how little you want to be in the media too. Well, let's be straight about that because I find it a little bit disappointing. I mean, you know, I, I know that Joe Scarborough is on, on TV and, and the guests that are on his show because they're willing to take an aggressive stance against somebody just to get on the show. That doesn't appeal to me. Right. I just want to be who I am and pure about it. Whether that gets you on Fox or not, that's a different story. But I, you know, who doesn't see the guests on Fox and see right through them that the only reason they're on Fox is because they choose to be a jerk about Trump or about somebody else? Yeah. What's your point? My point is that I don't want to play the game that way. Dude, I just want to be me. I'm not interested in playing the game for that. And that's except what's disappointing. Super, except you're super interesting. If, if you come back to it, if you had you throwing shit at purple teeth, it would have been interesting TV. <laughs> would it not have? <laughs> no, it would have been incredibly interesting TV. But, you know. I'm your just... passion, your relentlessness, your discipline. Yeah. If you think about this, your entire story in the last three years, tell me if that's interesting or not. I think it is interesting. Yeah. You do. I think it's a very interesting story. And so then what's the conversation about? I guess that um, that I just want to play the game my way. I've always wanted to do it my way. You're the same exact way, dude. You have to 100%. play. You must play the game by your rules and not by anybody else's rules. And that's just a it's a core competency of us. And and it's also a huge responsibility for guys like me and you because if we ain't percent. Right? So yeah. I don't know where I'm going with it, but I, I just I think the thing that fascinates me the most about you, which is different than your partner Hank, right? Hank is always the creative guy, but you have the ability to blend both the business side and the creative side, and I, that's always really intrigued me that you can work both sides of your brain like that. And again, we, still, we talked about we started talking there, but I'm not sure it's business. I mean, I guess maybe it is. It's I'm just not interested in the creative in that way. I'm interested in utilizing creative to pursue business pursuits. For sure. Totally. But right. I, I, so am I. I think that's why we get along so well because I'm really interested in it. What's the payoff, right? Correct. And the payoff, right. unfortunately, in media is really not the same payoff in, in a lot of businesses. I know that some people are killing it in that regard. But really the payoff is that you can really help a shitload of people, man, if you're legit about it and you're transparent about it. You really I think can. you're helping a lot of people now isn't that and if you think about where you come from and the things you've done a lot of them have been super creative pursuits your book you need more money and then your next book torch those are ideas that come from a creative process you just don't see it that way yeah yeah i do love the creative though i mean i'm really a marketing guy in in, in a lot of my ways not a not a promoter necessarily like some guys are but you know i like to think about the twist and the turn and all that stuff and and that intrigues me a lot so 
I don't know where we're going on it. I just love talking to you about it. And I, I just I hope the audience gets a little bit of a benefit. Let's give them a couple of real takeaways, though, dude. What are people doing wrong on social? When you look at it, I know you're not even that big on social. You don't. But I know you look at it just from a business standpoint. What are oh, people no, I, doing wrong? Yeah. So, look, I, I'm not on it because my partner's on it and we need one voice to the external world. So I'm aware of everything. Right. And I coach everybody on it. You know, social is pretty stinking simple. It's about sharing who you are and not being afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter whether it's in text or video. The thing about social is no different than, than life. At the end of the day, people make emotional connections. And this is the most important thing anybody can learn and understand is if you think about the people that have an impact on your life, they weren't the smartest. They were the people that had an emotional connection with you. If you think back to school, a professor that made a connection to you wasn't because he was the smartest in the world. It was because there was an emotional connection between you and him or he or she. And then, then you were willing to digest anything they told you, right? A genius could be, you know, monotone lecturing all day long. No matter how genius they are, you're not going to listen to them. Yeah. Same with, the, you, same with, same with the, the, the less of educated teachers, but they were flamboyant and they were, they great storytellers and all that sort of stuff. Right. right? So when you move somebody emotionally, yeah. Uh, they're ready to take anything you give them. So when you connect to your audience in in a way that feels emotional, that feels transparent, that connects you to them, then they're willing to listen to you. And just giving information is is zero helpful. Mm -hmm. You've got to connect to people and then they'll take whatever you give them. What about the importance? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. What about the importance of consistency, right? The, the, The guys that are like myself, Sometimes I do a Facebook Live. Sometimes I won't. Sometimes I'll do a blog post. Sometimes I won't. Well, you're, you're an ex-athlete, if I don't recall. A little How did bit. you do when you didn't practice for a while and then try to play a big game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. Got it. Right? At the end of the day, your audience wants consistency. They want to know that you're going to do a show, and that's we call it appointment TV. Yeah. So Brown does it the best, right? Yeah. Every day, I think it's at noon, he does a show, no matter what. Right? Your audience wants to know they can rely on you and that whether they want to tune in or not, they always know where to find you. Yeah. That you're always going to provide them with A, B, and C. The consistency is about them being able to rely on you for your expertise. Appointment TV. I love that, man. Let's just wrap up on this importance of the opinion. It's not just the ability to show up. You have to have something to say. How do people form a better opinion? Uh, you know, we, as you know, we train people on how to create opinion. It sounds crazy, but... An opinion is uh, something that makes somebody react emotionally. Yep. So if, if you have, or if anytime you're doing, if you know that somebody on the other side is either going to agree with you or disagree with you in a way that makes them uh, react emotionally, you're doing your job as an expert. Mm, that's a key component to being an expert. I love what you just said there, man. That is the difference between being an expert and being an amateur right there. Buddy, I love you. I appreciate all you've done for me, man. I, I, I'm, I'm grateful that you said some nice things about me, but I'm telling you, you've done more for me than I've done for you. That's her damn I sure. think that's unlikely, but uh, I'll take the compliment. I, I think we're coming to Dallas the next week or two, so we'll Nuh-uh, see you soon. For real? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish you told me that. We would have saved this interview because then you could sign my booth. I'll sign your booth anyway, baby. <laughs> all right, buddy. I'll see you soon. Take care of yourself. You Thanks, man. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more money.